Welcome to Built to Go, a van live podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Wagg, coming to you from the College of Curiosity. This time it's episode 144. That's a gross, you know. And we're going to talk about 10 myths of van life. And yeah, we've done that before, but it's time to do it again. We're also going to talk about PD versus USB and what that all means. A tale from the road involving a van and a deer and an unhappy circumstance. And a product review of a simple thing everybody should have. A nice little folding step. Hello everyone, welcome back. Before we get started, I do have a couple of things to mention here. First off, someone pointed out that I did something that may be considered dangerous when I was installing my diesel heater, so I wanted to bring that up in front so we can talk about it. My diesel heater is installed in a very tight space, and underneath the van, there's only really one place where I could mount the exhaust, and it was pointing at the back tire. Now, I knew this was a problem because the back tire was getting too hot, so I put an elbow on the end of the muffler that pointed 45 degrees away, and that fixed the problem. But the elbow I used was made out of copper because, well, that's what I could find. What's the problem? Well, the problem is that if you heat up copper really hot, like, you know, hot water isn't going to be a problem, but if you send exhaust gases through copper, it will heat up enough to release toxic gases, and that's not a good thing. So, am I concerned about my insulation? No, because the thing is there to vent toxic gases. There's already toxic gases there. That's why it is where it is. So I'm not concerned about my particular installation. But I did want to bring this to the fore so that if you are considering different ways to install things, you do not consider using copper pipes for any hot gases inside your van. That would be bad. Don't do that. Copper is not suitable for hot gases in general. For me, again, not worried. It's outside the van. It's sending out toxic gases anyway. That's what it does. It's not going to be a problem. But again, not inside the van. And thank you for bringing that to my attention. I love it when listeners contact me with stuff like that because that's how I learn from doing the podcast. Okay, number two, I did a poll last week about what I should do with the upcoming three weeks that I'm not going to be in the United States and I'm not going to be able to do a normal van life podcast. And, uh, well, it was interesting. I gave you guys the options of to have me do a bunch of canned episodes, which would just be the same thing, except I would have recorded them very early, to take three weeks off and not do anything, to actually change the podcast and actually talk about my trip to Antarctica for three weeks, or, as Brian Dunning said, I should promote Skeptoid content, which I actually can't do contractually. (laughs) But it's an interesting idea. For a long time, the one you were voting for the most was for me to take three weeks off. And I'm not sure how to think about that. On one hand, I'm like, well, thanks, guys. I appreciate you giving me that confidence. And then I'm like, does that mean they just don't want to hear me for three weeks? And then I thought, well, they always have that option. They can always just shut it off. And then finally, everything got resolved. And the winning vote was... Do Antarctica content. So... This is not without risks. I don't actually know what's going to happen. As you might imagine, the Wi-Fi in Antarctica is not great. You may have seen articles about how McMurdo and a lot of the stations now have Starlink, but that's not where I'm going. 
I am going to the peninsula, which actually is outside the Antarctic Circle. It's where most of the ships go. And I'm not going to be at some big base. I'm going to be walking around with the penguins and relying on the internet on the ship, which I am pretty sure is going to be an old-fashioned satellite internet that's going to be extremely slow and unreliable. I'm actually going to be on the ship for 10 days, and there's a chance I just may not be able to do an episode. Or I'll do the episode. I'll have time to do the episode. The problem is uploading it. So... We'll see how that works. If there is a week in mid-November where there's no episode, that just means I'm stranded at the South Pole. Actually, I'm not going anywhere near the South Pole, and I can't upload the episode, so I ask you to be patient. Once I get back to Ushuaia, I'll definitely be able to upload things. Also, I will be doing a daily travelogue on medium.com, kind of a daily blog. I will post a link to that next week. But I have to caution you, it'll be a little bit more personal and political than this podcast is. Anyway... I'm excited. I appreciate that. I would actually like to take three weeks and just talk about Antarctica because it's an epic trip and the way I'm doing it is a little bit different. And there's a chance that I'm actually going to charter a ship in the future and take a bunch of people down there on the same trip I'm doing, or at least a similar one. So stay tuned for that. Thank you very much for voting. And for those of you who tried to vote but couldn't find the poll, I apologize for that. I did a lousy job of doing the poll. I just made a Facebook post in the Facebook group, and I shouldn't have done that. I should have made it somewhere that everybody could find very easily, like, you know, maybe on the website for the podcast. Hmm? Yeah. Anyway, okay. Now, let's do 10 myths of van life. And yeah, of course I've done this before, but I tried to pick some new things that people haven't talked about all that much and some things I've been seeing come up lately. There have been an awful lot of articles about, I tried van life and it's all a lie and it sucks and you should go live in an apartment and work some meaningless job. And well, and uh, I don't know. Anyway, it just, I'm kind of sick of all the clickbait and I decided that I'm going to toss my hat into the ring here for myths that maybe are a little bit different. So let's jump right in. Number one, Van life is, and that's the myth. Anytime anyone starts something with van life is, you can take it with a grain of salt. Because van life is exactly one thing, and that is life. It's just a way to live life. It's not the entirety of life. It is just a little bit of a modification on the life that everyone's living it basically just means that you're living in or traveling in a vehicle for extended periods of time. That's it. It doesn't mean you're living full-time. It doesn't mean you have to have a Volkswagen van again. It doesn't mean you have to have a van at all. In my opinion, van life is a very big tent that basically just means people traveling and living and exploring, and maybe not even that. I mean, if you're living in a school bus and it's parked somewhere and you've been in there for six months and haven't gone anywhere... That's okay. To me, that's van life. I don't see any reason to restrict it. So there are gatekeepers out there. There are people trying to say that's not real van life or you guys are impinging on our space, blah, blah, blah. I'm not a fan of that. We don't need any gatekeeping. We get plenty of that in our regular lives. Myth number two, Instagram is all a lie. And I may have even said something like that on this podcast once or twice, but the truth is that what you see on Instagram can happen. Those images of beautiful people on the beach in their van and the doors are open and everything's beautiful and wonderful and hyper-saturated and too much HDR and way too many filters and all that. Well, there's some truth to it. Like, 
in everything. If that is what you are looking for, if that is what's attracting you to van life, you can absolutely do that and have it. But that's going to be for one afternoon of one day in one month. And the rest of the month is going to be preparing for that and dealing with your laundry and chasing mice out and wondering how sand got in your bed from your feet and all that kind of stuff. Because it again is life. But that doesn't mean it's a lie. Instagram is just presenting the glamour of it all and not so much the other stuff. So when people say Instagram is a lie, they're just saying it's not the whole picture. There's more to see. And anybody who has done van life for any amount of time already knows this. This is like day two you realize this. Number three, nobody talks about the bad parts of van life. I've seen a lot of articles like this lately where nobody tells you this about van life. Well, they do. I mean, I think I even did a video that had a title like that. It's a classic clickbait title, but the truth is that they do. There's lots of people out there who have done van life for years or months or whatever. They're all sharing their experiences. That's one of the nice things about van life is that it's not hard to find somebody who is sharing their experiences with you so that you can learn from them or decide what you want to do and what you don't want to do. But you have to go looking for it. If you're just randomly browsing through Instagram, it may be a little bit difficult to find the stories of how someone's tires wore out or how they had ants in their van or whatever. Look on YouTube. I think there is more content about van life being made per hour on YouTube than it would ever be possible for anyone to watch. It's there. You just have to find it. It's part of being prepared for trying something new. Number four, seen this one a few times lately, van life is just glamorized homelessness. Yeah, this is a hot button topic. Homelessness is a huge issue all around the world and A lot of people look at people living in vans and think, oh, look at those homeless people. And then a lot of people are homeless and they think, wow, I wish I could afford a van. And then there are people who, like most of us, and I think nearly everyone listening to this podcast, have chosen to live in a vehicle or are at least curious about it. And uh, that's not homelessness. So, There are many people living in vehicles because they don't have a choice, and I'm very sensitive to that. They would rather be in an apartment or rather be in a house, and they can't be, and they're making the best of a bad situation. I totally get that. But those are not the people who are glamorizing homelessness. The people who are being accused of glamorizing homelessness are the people who have chosen to live in vans and are having a good time doing it. And... That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. Society may not agree. In fact, I think society at large is at odds with people doing what we're doing. But we're not required to abide by society's wishes. Society doesn't rule over us. I mean, yeah, there are laws that we have to deal with, and we should vote to affect those laws as much as we can. But folks, this is it. This is your one life. You should do what you want and need to do in this life and care a whole lot less about what others think of it. Number five, van life is lonely. Well, you know what? Life is lonely. Or it isn't. It all depends on how you live it, and there's nothing inherent about van life that makes it lonely. Not only that, people have different ideas about loneliness. So, let's go back a step. If you are someone who is feeling lonely and you're living in your van, 
you can do stuff about that. There are caravans you can join. There's social media that you will find people to hang out with. There are places in the country where van life people go to meet people. Quartzsite, Arizona in the winter is full of van life people. If you're lonely, if that's a major concern for you, you can absolutely overcome that. And in fact, it's easier in a van than if you were, say, in an apartment in a big city because you can actually move to where the people are. So loneliness is really individual. And for some of us, what others perceive as loneliness is actually bliss. And my case in point here is the movie Nomadland. This is a polarizing movie. A lot of people watched it and thought it was the most depressing thing ever. And then other people, like me, watched it and noticed what the main character did through the entire film and what choices she made and thought, wow, that is really empowering. And so, yeah, don't judge someone else's loneliness. Worry about your own loneliness. And van life is not inherently lonely. Number six, everyone who tries van life just gives up. Uh, everyone who tries baby food just gives up. Everyone who plays soccer in high school just gives up. I mean, giving up, eh, whatever. Van life doesn't have to be permanent. You can do van life for a week and say, that was fun, and then consider it a success. You can do it for three years and say, okay, I'm done. I want to go live in an apartment now. Still a success. There is no giving up. There is just the option to change what you're doing every single day. You have that choice right now. If you're listening to me in an apartment near a college in some medium-sized city and you're curious about van life, you can change that right now. You can give up on that life and then go live in a van if you want. So it goes both ways. There is no giving up. There's simply doing something different. And there's nothing that says once you do van life, you have to do it forever or you're a failure. That's just silly. Van life is something that people will do for a period of time and stop. That's fairly common, but that's also true for living in apartments. It's also true for living in big cities. A lot of people come, live in the big city in their young years, have kids, and then move out to the suburbs. My wife and I see that all the time with her medical practice. It's normal. It's fine. And again, don't let other people judge you. Do what you want. Number seven, van life saves a lot of time. I mean, if you think about it, oh, you've got a house, you got to take care of the house, you got to mow the grass, and oh, maybe you have an apartment, well, you got to walk up and down the stairs all the time, and there's all that cleaning to do. It would save so much time to have a smaller space, and yeah, no, no, mm -mm, that is not how it works. Van life actually takes more time, because you can't be terribly messy in a van. You just can't. It's such a small space that you will very quickly run out of space. You have to be neat. You have to be constant cleaning. And I know not everyone does, but it seems to be much more important in a van than it does at home. Also, everything you do in a van, you are doing. You don't have a dishwasher, so you are actually hand washing the dishes, probably after every single meal. You don't have a washing machine, so you are hand washing your clothes, or you're going to the laundromat, which is a big chunk of time that you have to take that you don't have to if you have a washing machine in your house. I mean, in my condo in Chicago, I've got a washing machine, and I will put on the TV and do the laundry at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you can do this now if you have an iPad or something, but you get my point. Things take longer in a van than they do at home because they're not optimized for whatever you're doing. Van life isn't optimized really for anything because it's extremely flexible and you're trading off some of that optimization for flexibility. 
Number nine, van life is unsafe. And this goes back to why I didn't really want to promote the Gabby Petito thing, because van life isn't unsafe. It, it is certainly no less safe than living in the city or living in the suburbs or anything else. The most dangerous thing you're going to do in your van, you know, without doing crazy things, is, is driving. Driving is absolutely the time when you are least safe in your van. When you're parked in the rest area or in the Walmart parking lot, it's actually a lot more safe than you think. You're in a vehicle. If someone tries to break in, you always have the option to drive away. Now think about it if you were in an apartment. Someone tries to break in, you can run away, maybe, if there's more than one door. You can call the police and wait, and you also have that option in the van. I mean, to me, a van just gives you more options to get away from trouble. Sure, you're out there in the public, and you're out there in a circumstance that you're not entirely familiar with, because maybe you've only been there for a day or two, but no, van life is not inherently unsafe. There is no rash of crime involving vans. It's just overhyped. And number 10, the common one, but always important to mention, van life will save you money. Yeah, well, I mean, money's an individual thing, but I think a lot of people get into van life and don't count all the pennies involved with it. Van life does not have rent. This is true. You don't have an electric bill usually. There's all that. But you have a lot of other bills you may not have thought of. And a lot of the things cost more. You can't buy food in bulk. You can't have a washer and dryer, so you have to pay for that. You might have to pay dump station fees. You have to pay for gas, and often a lot more gas because you're driving a bigger vehicle and you're traveling more. You have to pay for insurance in ways that you didn't before. At any rate... It can save you money, but it isn't a surefire way to save you money. And it can actually cost you more money if you bought a 2011 Sprinter ambulance. And we don't really want to talk about that, do we? No, we don't. So the point is you absolutely have to do all the math and figure it all out before you jump in and think, ah, I'm living in a van now. All my money problems are over. Now, sorry. The key point of van life is that it is life. And life will find a way. Tech Talk. You know, it used to be that USB made things easier, right? There was just this USB port, and you plugged it in there, and the thing plugged in there, and that was it, and you didn't have to think about it. And now USB has gotten super complicated, and there's all these cords, and but USB-C is going to save us, and yet, oh no, it didn't, because people used USB-C differently, and some cords can do this, and some cords can do that, and it is a mess. So, for those of you who aren't interested in diving into all the different intricacies of USB, I would just like you to know two things. One is that there is this new kind of USB called PD. You will see it written on plugs. PD stands for power delivery. And what it does is send more power to your devices so they can charge faster. If you have a modern phone, like a latest iPhone or the latest Pixel or Galaxy phone that takes USB-C, it will take advantage of PD and it will draw a lot more power and charge faster. And these are usually USB-C. There are some old-fashioned rectangular USB-A ports that do this, but they usually do it at a lower rate. If you are buying new USB devices to put in your van, I recommend you get PD devices. That means if you're going to put in a socket or whatever, 
go ahead and go ahead and put in a PD socket, the new ones, or just use 12 volt sockets, which is what I've been recommending for a while, because then you can pop out the adapters and just change them as times change. But this is the other thing you should know. Because this thing can give more power to your devices, it also draws more power on your batteries. And suddenly charging a phone can be a fairly big draw on your batteries. I know that my Mac using USB-C over PD, power delivery, can draw 100 watts. You know, that's getting up there 9 amps or so. Um, that's, a, that's a good amount of draw that uh, we didn't used to have to worry about in the past. And because of that, you should never do it on the starter battery because you can actually now kill your starter battery just by charging your phone. So that's it. Try to keep that term in mind. PD, that's the way to go in the future. And don't buy too cheap cables because they're going to bite you in the end. Tales from the road. Okay, this tale is not mine. Thankfully, but I do feel terrible. Um, Trail Slipper. I have uh, mentioned him a couple times, I think. Trail Slipper is this guy from Maine, decided to move into his van. Avid hiker, that's his hiking name, Trail Slipper. And that is Slipper, A-H, not E-R. And uh, he has done some interesting things in his van. He, he has a Chevy Express, he built it out. And he did a trip recently where he went to the highest place in every state. Or at least tried to. The tale is that he was driving in New England and boom, this deer came out of nowhere right in front of his van. He hit the deer. The deer smashed in his front end, rolled a few times, slid across the pavement, and then got up and ran away. Although I don't think the deer actually did too well after that because he was traveling at highway speeds. Oi, so what happened to the van? Well, um, there's pictures of it on the website, and if you go into the Facebook group, you can actually watch a video that he took with his dash cam. And uh, the van got fairly messed up. The grill's gone, the radiator looks like it's bashed in, the condenser for the air conditioner looks like it's bashed in, the bumper's bent. I mean, the van needs some help, there's no doubt about it. Okay, so there's a story about someone hitting a deer. There's nothing he could have done to avoid this deer. Nobody could have avoided this deer. It's just one of those things. But now what? Well, one hopes he had decent insurance, and the insurance is going to pay for it. Okay, that's great. I agree, and I, I, I think he's going to be okay there. Second thing is, this is his house that this happened to, so where is he going to live? Well, in his case, he had his relatives nearby, and they put him in, and they're going to put him up until this is fixed. So that's all good. And I hope that anyone who runs into this situation has the resources that he does. But how long is it going to take to fix his van? And this is the point of the story that you should listen to. Weeks! In fact, he doesn't even know when his van's going to be replaced. Now, we're talking about one of the most common vans ever. A van that parts should be readily available for... And that's just not how it is. Parts are super hard to find, especially after a collision. And he isn't going to have his van, also his home, for weeks. And this could happen to you. Because he did nothing wrong. There's nothing he could have prepared for this. And no, deer whistles don't actually work. They wouldn't have helped. And now he's without a home and a van. And he basically has to figure out what he's going to do with his life. So because of this... Absolutely, you need to set up a reserve fund in case this happens to you. Because again, this could happen to anybody at any time. 
So I appreciate Trail Slipper sharing this story with us. It is a good cautionary tale, and I wish him the best. I hope they find some parts and get him back on the road as soon as possible. And hey, I hope the deer survive too, although I don't know. Product review. Probably the shortest product review I'm ever going to do. You probably want to get one of these little folding steps. You've seen them before. They're not very expensive. They're these little plastic folding steps. Just very simple thing. They have a handle. You pull up the handle. The thing folds, and then you put it away. It takes up very little space. Super useful for all kinds of things you may not have thought of, like washing your windows or getting a peek over the top of your roof to see if your solar panels are dirty or just letting people who maybe can't step up very high into your van. They're cheap. They're like 12 bucks. I have a link on Amazon for one, and uh, it's in the show notes. Go ahead and get one of these things, really. It, it, they make great stocking stuffers, if you have really big stockings. A place to visit. I have mentioned this place before. I will continue to mention it. In my mind, it is one of the three great curious pilgrimages in the United States, and it is the City Museum in St. Louis, Missouri, and they're celebrating their 25th anniversary right now. If you go through St. Louis, stop and go to the City Museum. Nothing else is more important than that. All right, there are probably some things that are more important than that, but nobody comes away from the City Museum without having it made a huge impact on your life. It is impossible to describe other than it was an old Buster Brown shoe factory that an artist couple bought and went absolutely freaking insane on. Uh, for example, there's a fire engine in the parking lot. You can climb into the fire engine, and then you can climb up the ladder of the fire engine and go through a giant human-sized habit trail and come out on the wing of an airplane that's suspended in the air, and then you can crawl into the airplane and out the other wing, and eventually you end up on the roof of this building in a school bus that's dangling over the edge and you can open the door and look down. Did that make sense? No, of course it didn't. Nothing in this place makes sense. They've got a cavern system that glows in the dark. There's a giant metal pig that vomits water every 30 seconds. There's a zoo in there, a place that makes custom shoelace. I mean, it is just one of these jaw-dropping, amazing places that absolutely can't exist. And it does. So, take a day and go to the City Museum in St. Louis, Missouri. Do it in the summer if you can, although it is open in the winter. The reason you want to go in the summer is because the roof is open in the summer. And what's on the roof? Oh, a giant slide and a Ferris wheel. I mean, <laughs> don't take my word for it. Google it or just go there. Go there without learning anything more about it. That'll be your best experience. Resource Recommendation A fine young man by the name of Josh and his wife live in a schoolie and they've been listening to the podcast and they sent me a lovely email with all kinds of tints and tips for van life, basically, and it's, it's stuff that I hadn't talked about. So I'm basically going to steal from their email and share it with you guys. So thank you, Josh, for writing. I really appreciate it. And one of the things they mentioned is wax earplugs. Now, I bet all of us have had that experience where we pull into the Walmart parking lot and go to sleep at 9 or 10 o'clock, and then at 2 a.m., there's a party <laughs> in the parking lot because, hey, we're in Arkansas, and that's all there is to do or whatever. I'm just kidding. There's plenty of stuff to do in Arkansas, like mine for diamonds, for example. But wouldn't it be nice to have earplugs in that situation? 
Well, if you're like me, earplugs don't really work all that well. My ears are shaped funny, I guess, and a lot of them just get uncomfortable. Like the foam ones that everybody loves, I can't wear for very long. They just get uncomfortable. Well, there's another kind of earplugs, and they're made out of wax. And they're made out of a very special kind of wax that will mold to your ear perfectly and block out about 35 decibels of sound, which is a good amount of sound. It's not going to deafen you completely, but it's going to block out all the loud noises, and that's pretty good. And the big reason these are so good is that they're super comfortable because they warm up to your body temperature, and they stay flexible, and they fill up all the space. They're always going to be comfortable. Now, they don't last forever. You can use them about 10 times, and then you have to replace them. But they're also super cheap, and they come in these kits of 10. So take a look. I've got the link in the show notes. There are many companies that make these. The ones that Josh recommends are the PQ Wax Earplugs. And you get a box of 15 for for $10.79. There's actually a 5% coupon if you do a subscribe thing. I don't know about that. But there's another thing about these. This wax is actually useful for a lot of other things. It's very flexible. And and honestly, I'll tell you a secret. Magicians use wax very similar to this all the time for things. It's useful for for plugging little holes in things, for adding a little bit like under drawer slides as a lubricant. I mean, if you have this wax, you end up finding all these other weird uses for it. So yeah, okay, this this wax is meant to be used as earplugs, but the wax is actually good for a whole bunch of other things. So again, link in the show notes. The brand is PQ, which stands for Peace and Quiet. I'm sure there are others out there, but uh, if you have trouble sleeping at night because of noise, these might be the solution. Well, everyone, thank you very much for listening to this episode 144. Music, as always, is by Simon Wagg. And if you have suggestions for what kind of things you'd like me to talk about with Antarctica, drop me a line at Jeff at built to go that's two T's, not three, not one, and I will try to talk about those specific aspects. Until next time, remember the words of Sigmund Freud. Before you diagnose yourself with depression or low self-esteem, First, make sure that you are not, in fact, just surrounded by assholes.